The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, uh, the only, the mistress of the corn sharks, Madam Tammy Underwood. Hi, everybody. I do not like cornfields. <laughs> Just saying. I like to eat corn, but I don't like cornfields. And I uh, heard that you might like to eat female corn sharks. That's disgusting, Scott. Mmm, fishy. No, that isn't gross. Anyways, so. What's up, Buttercup? I'm tired. I'm cranky. I'm irritable. I think I'm you on my period. feel bloated. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm stressed. Need a tamp- I'm irritable. Need a pad for my mantis. You do need a tampon. <laughs> <laughs> that's only for my anus. On That's Gay Tuesdays. Yeah, well. So super deeper, fever fever. Don't be dumb. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. No, I am exhausted. I, like I said, I didn't even sleep for half an hour last night, so. Damn. Rough night on Sandy. My dick. Okay. Go yeah, for it. okay. Rough night on Sandy. Nothing like getting thrown to the lions last night, but, you know, that's another story. I thought you'd do the hobos, too. Anywho. Yeah. So, go over. You gave me this, and I'm just still kind of confused well, what the fuck we're doing with this yeah, episode. Well, no, because, um... It's kind of in relation to the Martin Tweedy case. Um, because people have asked me, what is proper procedures? Oh, not these people again. What a pain in the ass. <laughs> the uh, Tweedies? The Tweedies. Oh, my God. They're like a hemorrhoid. No, I'm kidding. I love no. them all. <laughs> I'm just giving them shit. <laughs> I know. I know, man. Morgan needs to stop tagging me in them Dallas Cowboy memes like you do. I'm telling you. Um, she can do what she wants because because she's extremely cute. So yeah, well, she's a Chiefs fan. So blah. well, there you go. It's better than being gay ass Cowboys. I'm gonna hit you. Gonna I, hit you. I bet you that all the Dallas don't Cowboys, make me kick you where the good Lord splits you, Scott. They jump out and they 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 say, "Anybody want a Bud Light? We love the Bud Light." No, no. Anybody want a butt light? We like we like those too. Oh my god! <laughs> Hang on, everybody! I have water all over me now. That's from chasing corn sharks. No, it's from freaking you saying stupid shit when I'm taking a drink of water. <laughs> I have I literally spit it out all over my front. Side. Um, we know that you don't spit. You always say that you swallow. That's what your customers always say too. There's water all over the floor, all over my front side. <laughs> Hang on a second, that's a everybody. a lot of water. Hang on. If it's all over your front side, that's Keep a talking, lot of water. Keep talking, Scott. Keep talking. I am. I'm like, now I can make fun of you. So, I'll tell you what, Tammy's front side is so big. <laughs> Don't go chasing waterfalls. You, you okay over there, fucker? Yeah. I just had to clean up a mess. No, you could have done that later. It's just water. No, because I, I would get up and slip on it, forgetting it was there. Plus, you know, I'm used to you waiting your pants. And I don't, and I don't want to freaking go to the hospital today. Hospital, nothing. It's the emergency vet clinic for you. And you hoosies. Um, yeah, so it was brought up about proper police procedures because, you know, there's some question about what, sh- pe- what officers are supposed to do when they arrive on a scene, okay? So this 
this part of the episode, this episode, we're going to talk about what the first officer's responsibilities are and what the investigator's responsibilities are in an investigation, a homicide investigation, when they arrive at the scene. Okay? Got it? Got it. Okay. I think it's funny that the first thing it says for the first off first officer at the scene is supposed to arrive safely it says first get to the scene safely <laughs> right well, that makes sense i mean you don't want to be like dukes of hazard going oh it I got says to- something else a little bit later but i yeah. gotta get over to b street hold on just the good old boys and then Melon jennings sits there and goes officer smith better teach that patrol car how to fly Da-na-na. right right <laughs> right but then as soon as they arrive they are supposed to start documenting everything they see um they need to check the location and condition of the victim they need to see whether any people or vehicles are leaving the area determine the identity of everybody present take they're supposed to take note of weather conditions lighting conditions all that shit too um and they you know not they also are supposed to know what is present at the scene that looks out of place and what they think should be there that isn't uh, it depends. If one of them yells, who's no, got a Budweiser? Depends. And then they go, you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Get out of here. That's definitely out of place. Anyways, then they're supposed to ensure safety at the scene. They're supposed to scan the area for potential hazards, weapons, firearms, chemicals, electrical lines, gas lines, individuals, explosive, or animals, and, and call for assistance if they need it. And Dallas Cowboy fans. To neutralize the hazards. Being a Cowboy fan. And then they're... To arrange for medical assistance, obviously. Then they are to apprehend any suspects, okay? If the suspect is still at the scene when they arrive, they can safely make, and it's safe for them to make an arrest, they are to do so. If you believe you required backup, then wait for assistance. Okay, because it says you've just responded to one homicide. There's no need for you to become the victim of another. That actually makes sense. Okay, <laughs> it does, now, but I think it's funny that they have to tell a cop that. Well, it's because sometimes people want to be superheroes, okay? So I can see, like, uh, somebody who's just fresh out all by themselves, sitting there going, I'm going to take down this criminal. Meanwhile, you know, you got somebody who's, like, fucking Yosemite Sam going, I just killed a vomit. I'm going to kill another one. Right, right. You know, and this guy going, I'm a cop. You can't kill me because I have Kevlar on. It protects my chest. doesn't protect your dick, and it doesn't protect your head. That's right. And next to your penis is your femoral artery, which bleed out in seconds. Then you have Officer Jones laying on the fucking ground, and he's like, oh, bad mistakes were made, and you can't press the rewind button on this one, motherfucker. Um, This one, yeah. Now, check this out. If they arrest the suspect at the scene, they are not to question that. They are not to interrogate or question the suspect at all. They are supposed to wait for the detective to arrive. And but if they have to transport the suspect from the scene, that because sometimes a detective can't show up right away, they have to. Uh, they cannot ask any questions of the suspect on route. And if the suspect just starts talking. Then they are to document what this what the person says. Note the date, time, and location, and the the reason why they were making those statements. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes total sense. Let's cover your ass time. See why? Exactly. Cover your ass. Exactly. Now, they're also supposed to, of course, secure this crime scene. You know, they 
determine that the victim is deceased and the suspect is is if they have established that the victim is deceased and the suspect is not there, they need to secure the crime scene first. They need to cordon it off because it's more important for them to um, secure a crime scene than it is actually to go looking for a suspect right away. You know what I mean? Because right. tampering with evidence, evidence and everything. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, they say even if you have to just lock the door and station an officer at the entrance... You, need, you can do that, too. Now, um, then it says, after they secure the crime scene, they must identify any witnesses nearby. This is a key point here. They need to keep any and all witnesses separate from one another. Right. You don't want them talking. Exactly. Because then everybody will In agree the on case the story. of more than one suspect, they are to keep the suspects separate from one another. Okay. So, and this is just the initial officer. And then he's supposed to go through a list of his, you know, who he's supposed to call in what order. Um, Then the investigator arrives on the scene, right? Now, they are to assess the scene. As the investigator, they must pay attention to all details and documents provided by the first responders. Um. And everything. Then they're supposed to go through and interview any of those responders to make sure that, you know, their documentation is correct. Um, then they're to arrange for witness interviews and transportation. And again, they need to make sure that all witnesses are separate and they are not transported in the same vehicles. And all suspects are transported in separate vehicles taken to the station. Um, then they need to safeguard all evidence and arrange for the evidence to be collected. If crime scene texts are not available, they are to photograph and videotape it. And if the scene is indoors, they need to seal the building until the the crime scene text can get there. Okay? Because a contaminated piece of evidence may, may be virtually useless. And a degraded piece of evidence will still retain some value. So if you have to process a scene and collect the evidence, do not hesitate to ask for assistance from the department be, and be specifically careful with fragile evidence such as hairs, fiber, shoes, or tire impressions, blah, blah, blah. Or me, because I'm fragile. Yeah, like a daisy. Like a sweet little flower. And then they're to manage the scene. They need to assign officers their duties. They get help from patrol officers as well as other command, you know, other officers within their units. Um, They need to take care and note any observations not already recorded. And then they need to take an initial documentation of the scene. They need to record all evidence. They need to photograph everything. They need to produce a rough crime scene sketch. They need to take steps to protect the evidence, and they need to ensure that no one smokes, uses the bathroom, uses the phone, turns water or lights on or off, or does anything else that can compromise the crime scene. Make sure the scene is not altered in any way. Now, these are key points I'm bringing up here for a reason. Okay? Now... Then they have to go through and canvas the area. And that's pretty much go door to door looking for um, 
any potential witnesses or if you don't haven't already apprehended the suspects, you're looking for suspects. And then they go through the procedures on how to canvas the area. Now, when the sus- properly handling of a potential suspect minimizes legal roadblocks to a successful prosecution, the investigator will ensure that all suspects are afforded the rights to which they are entitled. If the suspect is located, do not return him or her to the scene because it may contaminate it. Advise them of their rights and try to obtain an intelligently given written waiver. But if they refuse to sign the waiver, then they have to make an audio tape or videotape of the waiver and have a third party witness it. Now, if they do, if they themselves do not transport that suspect, the transporting officer is not to question the suspect, but document any, any statements that the suspect makes. They are not allowed to wash their hands or change their clothes, as doing so may destroy any trace evidence. If necessary, they're to seize the suspect's clothes, shoes, and provide the suspect with other clothing to wear. And they need to record or otherwise document all statements by the, by the suspect, and they've they should be videotaping them. If the att- prosecuting attorney is available, then they are t- they should be present at the interrogation as well. And if the suspect invokes their rights to an attorney, they are to immediately stop questioning. Then they process the scene. The steps for crime scene processing involve photographing, videotaping the overall scene, conducting a thorough scene search, producing a rough sketch, processing the scene for fingerprints, identifying, documenting, and collecting trace evidence. And then it goes through how they're supposed to do that. And then they're supposed, if the suspect isn't there, they have to do a crime scene search or if they can't locate a victim. And they go through different methods on how to do that. Then they talk about how to do a, a formal final sketch that's to scale. Then they talk about gathering the fingerprints. The process for obtaining fingerprints allows, follows three steps. The, you know, the locate usually by dusting, photograph, and then lift. The print card must contain the following information, the case number description, and where the print was located at the scene, and try to raise prints from anything that the suspects may have touched as well, such as doors, windows, switch plates, telephones, tables, glasses, or weapons. How about penises? Oh, my dear God. I'm just asking, because I know some people that touch their private parts a lot. Anywho's fine. Don't answer. The I, I'm fine. not answering that question. Fine. Many fine. types of trace evidence may be found at a crime scene as well. The, On prop- a penis. the proper packaging of each type of evidence is essential for conducting the necessary analysis. Fluid collection kits, HEPA vacuums with special filters, combs, brushes, vials, envelopes, and bindle paper are some of the specialized items that they should have on hand. Now, they're to handle, if they, there's a firearm involved, they need to recover the firearm from the scene if, if applicable. And because, and it's an extremely delicate process. And I think this is important to know, too, because the possibility of an accidental discharge is high. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Do not attempt to unload the recovered weapon. <laughs> For all firearm seized, 
Record the make, model, caliber, and serial number of the weapon for revolvers. Identify the location and number of spent and unspent rounds in the cylinder. For automatics, document the number of rounds remaining in the magazine. Examine all weapons for trace evidence, such as fibers and blood. The rounds in the cylinder, spent casings, rounds in the magazine, and the magazine itself should all be processed for fingerprints. Afterwards, package the weapon properly and submit it for ballistic analysis. And then they have to go through proper evidence control for the chain of custody. And then they have to go through the process of notifying the victim's families. Okay. Now, the reason why I pointed this out is because it has been well documented that the officers on scene let the potential suspects you know, like, converse with each other. They didn't separate them. This is on the Martin Tweedy case. Yes. Okay. They did not um, do, you know, trace evidence on any of the potential suspects. Um, I'm not sure about the weapon because I haven't gotten definitive response yet on whether or not they did fingerprints on the weapon or not. Um, But she was also allowed to sit there and drink vodka in front of the officer. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of the rules were broken to begin with. And this is what you're reading is very specific to the state of Oklahoma. Yes. Yes. Very specific to the state of Oklahoma. Okay. I'm just making sure. I'm just no, making no, sure. No, yeah. I, I made sure it was, you know, standard. It, yeah. It wouldn't make no sense if this was specific to like, uh, I don't know, Georgia. Oh, I know. No. And, and we're talking about a case Holy in Oklahoma. I'm a, that's no. that's kind of retarded. No. These are all Oklahoma. But you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like from the very beginning, like even the first officer on the scene didn't follow protocol. And then the investigator didn't follow protocol and everything. You know what I mean? It's like, so where, I mean, at what point do we, you know, not question the authorities on their proper procedures. And I'll agree. I'll agree. I think part of it is because he had a conviction when he was younger. Oh, yeah. And they read that, and they know what they're getting into. Or they were told that. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Yeah. I just... I mean, but still, whether he had... I mean, because we talked about it in the Chicago case, and I'll bring this up again. We talked about this in the Chicago, with the drownings and everything, that even... FBI agents are saying you investigate every death as if it were a homicide until you can prove it wasn't. Right, because if you become complacent in the first place. Exactly. So if you're you're being told it was self-defense and you just say, oh, self-defense, and you don't investigate it as a homicide, at what point are you not negligent? Uh, Exactly. No, That's the question I'm asking. Um, So... Yeah. Okay, no, I'll agree with that. I'll agree. Yeah. So, um... So my question is, I guess, I mean, because I'm done reading the procedures and everything, but my question, I guess, is this too, is that who is ultimately responsible? Is it that first officer on the scene or is it the investigator, the detective? I would say the whole department that it was involved in that investigation. And here's why. Here's why. Okay. No, I, that's why I'm asking the question. So you get first officer on scene, okay? And people do make mistakes. True. Okay. True. Accidents um, happen. Yeah, accidents happen. People make mistakes, but... When you're looking at the first cop on scene who doesn't follow the procedure and then a detective who isn't detecting, 
Right. Because we know he's listening. <laughs> More people listen to us that hear the shit that I'm going to say than what I could imagine. I, that came to mm. real fruition. Like, I found that out, like, recently. People are like, yeah, we found that out with a couple people. of other cases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gonna get, we get these. The, Oops, this there we were. I can't believe that you're such an asshole. Yeah, I can believe it because this is just how I was built. But, um. So, you know, it was everybody involved, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand them not the, the, the DA not pressing charges against Amy. And here's why. Where is the incriminating? Well, I don't evidence? have confirming confirmation on that yet. But that's well, I mean, what as I, of yeah, yet, as of yet. Yeah, because right now what we're looking at is there is no damning evidence to say it was otherwise because you have a, you have cops that showed up. Procedure wasn't followed. Mm-hmm. So there goes that evidence. Nobody secured the crime scene. And so it seems like nobody evidence. collected evidence. Nobody collected evidence, and there's your there's uh, right. And I will go through in the next episode about what evidence needs to be collected at a homicide that involves a firearm. Specifically, what evidence needs to be collected? I would imagine testing everybody for GSR, whether you know that they're the shooter or not. Right, or whether you're told they're the shooter or not. Yes, yes. Yeah, that I way there you so can too. so you can rule people out. I'm just yeah. guessing. So that way there you can say, "Yep, she was right. She was the shooter." Or no, wait a minute. How could you be the shooter when you don't have any gunshot residue on your hands? Yeah, I would imagine that. And I think I said this before that when you're watching somebody who's drinking. You would at least test blood alcohol level, like give a breath test, or at least determine if they're drunk or not. Right. Okay, but it could be that she was acting normal, and they're like, hey, man, she's, you know, okay, she's but trying to de-stress herself. But that's part of protocol for exactly. the state of Oklahoma. It says, hey, man, don't let them drink booze. Don't yeah, let don't them touch anything. Yeah, don't let them touch anything. Don't let them do anything. You know, collect their clothing, you know, and everything. And, yeah, because all of that needs to go into evidence because... They can test for gunshot residue on their clothing as well. Correct. Correct. So, correct. yeah. So, like I said, it it's like at, who's culpable here is what I, I'm trying to get at. Um, sounds to me like the whole entire thing was botched. The whole entire damn department? Because, but I wasn't there. Right. I mean, that's true, too. I don't know the, all the circumstances, but it, to me... From what I'm understanding and what we've read so far. And the documents that they are willing to provide us. Because remember, they're not providing us with all the documents yet. Correct. Yet, but we'll get it eventually. Um, It sounds like a lot of the procedures that they have put in place themselves, and you would think as a detective or even as a regular street cop, you would know the procedures at a crime scene, whether it's a homicide, whether it's uh, a, a robbery. Or, right. um, you know, a carjacking or a mugging um, or domestic violence. You're going to know the procedures before they let you loose on your own. I mean, you're not just going to get out of the police academy and they're going to go, here you go, Officer Smith. Fucking go shoot him up like Yosemite Sam. Right, right. So Exactly. I, so I'm having a hard time. I mean, and I'm willing to amend this if once they give us the documentation that we've asked for. And it says something different, but from what it's like, the detective even is telling the family that it wasn't done. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, trying, I'm processing all that shit. Yeah, so, like I said, they haven't provided us with the documentation we've asked for yet. And, in fact, they're, like, avoiding my emails, so there you have it. <laughs> Show some leg. 
You'll scare him. I, I probably would. I probably They'd would. Like, She's a real life And then Sasquatch. you can kiss my, you can kiss my left butt cheek because it's not my favorite one. Ew, hairy butt. <laughs> Whatever, my butt is not hairy, asshole. Sir, I'm gonna need you to calm down. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, so that, that, that's where I'm having a problem with it. And it, you know, it's pretty bad when the detective is actually telling the family, we didn't collect the goddamn bit of evidence. Yeah. Nothing. We didn't, we didn't you know. We didn't do we, jack we, shit. We, we, I, you know, we didn't collect the toxicology report. Let's see if the hospital did. You um, know, it's like, mm, you would nobody. Think, you would think you that. You would have ordered it. Yeah, uh, that you would follow procedure. Yeah. No matter what somebody's past is, number one. Exactly, exactly. And like I said, if they would stop avoiding my emails and get back to me on the documents I'm requesting, then I can, you know, go from there. But you're not giving me it. So why aren't you giving it to me? First of all, <laughs> oh. shut up. <laughs> Your customers are, though. They're giving it to you. Whatever. It's like, why are they holding out on giving us, you know, freedom of information? I mean, even the 911 call, which can be released immediately, they're not releasing to me. So, Well, he said that it's an active, ongoing investigation. But an active, ongoing investigation, you can still release a 911 call. So I'm just, I'm kind of curious. Can you, though? I mean, if. Yeah. And here's my thought. Would you want to, and I'm just playing devil's advocate as always. Okay. Because Amy does look hot. Um <sighs> <laughs> you have something about hot blondes or blonde women, don't you? I never knew you had a type, but apparently you do. Yeah, it's called female. Oh, that's it. I saw an 80-year-old woman walking today, and I thought, she's hot. Okay? So, don't judge. Don't think I have a type. I'm judging. Don't think I have a type. Totally judging. I thought to myself, I bet you totally she judging. great when she was way younger. Judging. When she was like, you know, 70 years younger. Um, No, but I did great. Um... Would you want to release the 911 call and taint a possible jury if you were going to go after a suspect? And I'm taking Amy out of it. Any right, suspect. But how are you tainting a jury when you release a 911 call toward, against a suspect? Unless a suspect themselves made that 911 call. Okay, let's go with that then. It could be either or. It could be somebody in the house. You don't know that. It, that's, there's all kinds of variables. So you don't know. It was her son that made the call, right? I'm assuming, no, no, from my understanding, her daughter, who was in Missouri, made the call. Okay, let's go with that. Because all their phones were up dating at the same time at 8-something. Right, I remember now. Yeah. Okay, but we don't know the whole situation. Like, okay, we confirmed she's in Missouri, but, okay, so a jury hears that, okay? And they're going to make assumptions based on what they hear. Well, wait a minute. Why is she in Missouri? Why did she say, why did she say the word was in this way? Or why did she say um, my emergency is in that way? So they're going to make assumptions right. based on their own criteria that may or may not be right. accurate based on tone, verbiage, okay. delivery, things like that. So I, I can totally see why. No, no I, can, I can go with that line of thinking. However... In the past, they have released them, like the Susan Smith case. They released the 911 tapes right away. They released the 911 tapes before Casey and Anthony went on trial. You know? And I have an opinion about that case, too, but okay, I will well, keep I, it out I'll of be the... devil's advocate on that. 
maybe they had enough evidence to where they're like, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Okay. Either way, on these cases, we have enough evidence that it's a slam dunker. Yeah. And Casey Anthony, if you're listening, you can call me too. Oh my God, she is a she's a nut job. Oh wait, that's your type. Yeah, baby. I forgot you do have a type. Whack job. <laughs> yeah. I like him crazy and spicy. Yeah. Okay, that's what we'll call her. I'm calling her Spicy Calm. She's calm, just spicy. But she's from Florida, so there you go. No, oh, no, that one's just a nut job. Yeah. Fucking nut job right there. But yeah, so I mean, so that's what I'm getting at, and. I maybe maybe they'll answer my emails now because you know. But no, do you understand what I'm saying? No, like, I do. And I do see it to an extent. Well, because I don't want to compare case by case. We can't say that Casey Anthony is like the. No, the, I'm this not case. saying that at all. I'm just saying that why is it okay? I was trying to get at why is it okay to release them in some cases and not in others. So I do see your point to an extent on why and why not. I mean, I would say a combination of like preponderance of evidence. Yeah. Um, mixed with. Fuck, different states, uh, different circumstances, okay. and things like that. Like in the case of Casey Anthony, okay, you're dealing with kids. It's a pretty slam dunk. If you can prove that she even looked at the kids sideways, yeah, then it's a it slam was the, dunk. It was the DA's ego that lost that case, but okay. Well, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um. So in this case here, maybe they're trying to find that needle in a haystack. It could be. That they're like, we think that she did this on purpose, right? Right. Let's not re- let. Let's check this out. Let's find that needle in the haystack mm-hmm. in order to get enough evidence for a good conviction. Mm-hmm. We don't know because God knows they're not going to tell us because we're not investigators. We're not. We're, we're not their crack team of investigators or crackhead <laughs> team of investigators. Um, <laughs> that's horrible. Sorry. Cracked up team of investigators? Yeah. That's that's doing this, you know. Um, so Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Weren't Lucas and Tool in Oklahoma at one time? They were. Are they investigating this crime? <laughs> <laughs> Asking for a friend. That's possible. <laughs> that was fucked my up. Water, I'm sorry. My watery eye is watching you. I, I'm sorry. That was fucked up. I apologize. To all those pygmies in Africa. Oh, my God. That's fucked up. That's Larry the Cable Guy. But, yeah. <laughs> to start being pygmies in Africa. But, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm getting at. And, you know, I just... I don't know. I just... It just bugs me. There's so many things about this case that make no sense. That keep taking different turns. You know, we're going through more turns. That it's like, whoa, left turn. Right turn, Clyde. Right turn. <laughs> I was just thinking, as soon as you said that, I thought of any which way but loose. Yeah. Right turn, Clyde. But that's what I feel like sometimes. It's like, whoa, that one hit me out of nowhere. But. So, yeah, I mean, each case is different, even state by state. The, the, the one thing that, I'm, that I am going to stay steadfast on is not following the proper protocol. Right. For your state. Yes. And the proper procedure, because that was obviously not followed. I mean, right to the point to where the yeah. detective's sitting there saying, um, you're right, we didn't do shit. Well, that, and yeah, we kept them all together, and all their stories keep matching. Well, of course, and, and this is what I have to say about that, too, is that I have heard from detectives, local detectives, that have said that if you have 
three people, even eyewitnesses, suspects, whatever, give you the exact same story almost verbatim, it's rehearsed. Because everybody has a different point of view, and nobody sees the same thing. Okay, so here's the dealio, okay? You ready for this? Let's go with five people. You have five people, and you cluster them all together, mm-hmm. and they don't even know each other. Well, they're going to talk. And when they talk, their stories are going to end up really, well, what, if, what do you think you saw? Oh, I saw him coming out of a gray van. Well, it could have been a blue van. It could have been a white van. But guess what? Everybody's going to agree that it's right. a gray van. Right. Um, we ran into that with another case. Remember when they said it was a Jeep renegade in the 70s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no. if you take those same five people and you separate them, mm-hmm. you will have five distinctly different exactly. stories. You might have one or two that say, yeah, dude, it was definitely a gray van because that's what they saw. But the rest of them are going to say something that's similar but not exact. It was kind of a maybe a maroon or a tan right. maybe? and I think he had a watch on his right hand and, yeah. They're going to give you little details. They're not, yeah. not going to be so similar. Yeah, and especially if it's almost verbatim. Right. You know? So I can see where they're coming from with that. You know, you, you definitely, while getting the truth and the exact story on the first right. try is important. Right. And even if you're they not weren't considered get suspects people, yeah. at the time, they're still considered witnesses. Right? In their case, witnesses. But okay. But they, yeah. But still, they all should. Everybody who was present in that house at the time who was not deceased should have been separated as soon as the first officer arrived on the scene. No, I agree. Yeah. And they should have been escorted out of the crime scene. They shouldn't have been allowed to keep wandering through the kitchen or whatever. I agree because you're stomping on fucking evidence, man. Exactly. You're contaminating a crime scene. Because you have to look at the big picture. And this is just in my mind from me doing some fucking reading. Let's say there's a murder in a house, okay? Mm -hmm. You first arrive. That whole entire house is a crime scene. From the front door to the back door, from the east to the west to the north to the south. The whole thing. Because you could find things at that crime scene that... Show a pattern. For example, we got the drinking out of the way, but let's let's take that out of the out of the picture. You have a suspect on there, a person that was involved, and they said, "I don't drink and I don't use drugs." Well, you're investigating your crime scene and you find some crack. Yes. Okay. Um, that obviously means that somebody in that household is using a hard drug or selling. Yeah. Or selling. So now that adds to the story. Right. Let's figure out why this is here. Right. Um, you could be investigating the whole, uh, the, the, the bodies in the bedroom, but you find blood stains in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Now, exactly. Now, that adds to the story. Yes. Um, you know, you could find dog hairs on the body, but the dog is outside. How did the dog hairs get in the wounds of the body? Yeah. That adds to the story. So to let people wander around the fucking house, really what you're letting them do is stomp all over potential evidence right. well, and to tell yes. you the right story, to tell the proper story. And I will happened. bring this up, too, because this is being brought up in the Idaho case itself, too, because when the responder, when the detectives and the police first responded to the scene, nobody wore the protective gear because they're supposed to be covered from head to toe in these white. Like paper jumpsuits. Tyvek vest. Uh, Thank ty- you. Tyvek is what it's called. Yeah. And everything with their mouths and everything covered. So their hair and fingerprints and, you know, saliva and stuff doesn't get on any evidence. 
So, but they showed him for like the first, I don't know how many hours, not doing that. Officers coming in and out, in and out that door and stuff, you know, not it, putting on the protective hold on booties. Now. So. Hold on. Is that protocol for the state of Idaho? Um, from what I've understood, yes, it is. Because that might not be protocol for that state or whatever, but it could be protocol for Oregon and Washington and Nevada and California and shit like that. Right. And well, I'm not saying it's right. No, I'm not no, saying it's right. I, I was just, just saying, saying it's been brought up. I haven't quite researched that far yet because I'm not, you know, but I'm just saying that that's been brought up in that case as well. So it's not, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, it seems like recently we're getting more and more cases that question the, the standard operating procedures not being followed. True. Have you noticed that? I, I do. I notice patterns. Yeah. I mean, it's not just this case. It's, you know, we're finding it in the Oregon case. We're finding it in the Idaho case. We're finding it in a couple of other cases I'm researching. That things aren't adding up to what, you know, SOP is, standard operating procedures are. I don't think it's bad cops. No. All the time. I and think let, it's let me explain why. Because. Bad training. <laughs> No, I don't even think it's that. I think that once a person is in their job, no matter what job mm-hmm. it is, it's really easy to become complacent. That's true. It is. And I find more and more that less and less companies really address the problem of complacency. So it's, okay, um, let me think of a good uh, example. Okay, let's take the truck driving gig, okay? Yeah. I've been doing this for, I've had my CDL for over 27 years. Um, and... At the beginning of every shift, before you take off of that truck, you're supposed to do a pre-trip. Right. Does every truck driver do a pre-trip every time? No. No. Oh. <clears throat> you're supposed to. I was going to say, don't they have to have that on record in case you guys get audited? And and we do. We mark down our, our yeah. time for pre-trip and post-trip and all that stuff right. there. But do we check the oil and the frame oh, and, I see and, the, and all the tires? Oh, so go and, through the proper pre-check. Right, a proper pre-check. I see pre-trip. what you're saying. Not just check the lights, but check the tires. You're checking your, your fan belts. and Check you're the checking, tires. And... <clears throat> you're checking for any cracks in the frame. You're checking for um, <clears throat> any brake problems if you have access to the brakes. Um, things like that. And the answer is no. Why? Because that shit's time-consuming. So I pre-trip my truck. I don't do it every single thing but i know what my oil level is most of the time and uh and i know the condition of my truck most of the time (coughs) sorry getting a little dry (coughs) in my vagina he's old people i am um he's coughing out dust over there (coughs) yeah all of a sudden (coughs) that's weird did you inhale some dust i don't know oh it's just weird anyway um and it's really easy because I've caught myself doing it. Okay, well, I don't have to do a full pre-chip today. I know what my oil level is because it's fine. There's no leaks. Right. The frame's fine. The belts don't ha- aren't frayed right now. Just, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then a couple days goes by before you realize, I haven't checked shit. Yeah. I've just basically gotten to my truck. Mark well, pre-trip yeah. and, and left. Right, because those are not only done in case, because don't, isn't that for like insurance audits? No, it's for federal audits. Oh, and then, but also for maintenance. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you because if something, yeah, it's like, okay, so you see a problem, get it in for maintenance <laughs> now before it becomes a major problem down the road. Correct. Like you drop a transmission. 
No, that wasn't me. That truck dropped three fucking transmissions. I was just giving you a hard or two. time. Yeah, the the transmission. Like, no, and yeah, three transmission problems because I got it back from the shop. And that same day that I got it from the shop, I was trying to get back onto I-5. And boom, it died again. So I pull it off and then they take, yeah, the transmission blew. And then in between all that, like the first and the second one, for some reason, this, the frame ke- itself kept shifting, and it was at the dealership. They're supposed to fix all that. Sheared off all the support bolts. That's right. That's right. And I did that twice, and nobody could figure it out. Now that truck's gone. But um, They retired old Bessie. So, so complacency. People right. become really complacent, and uh, it's really easy to kind of overlook doing things. This one here, though, as far as the Tweety case, to me, sounds like it's gross negligence. Um, yeah, that's what I'm seeing, too. I can understand, like, maybe going, oh, fuck, you know what? You're right. We just let people walk through the damn house. Or, you know, and I, oh, I just let, I, I let her keep drinking um, and, and touching things. I can understand where a mistake would happen, okay? Yeah. But when you're talking where, to me, it sounds like nothing on the normal protocol was followed. Yeah. And that, to me, is gross negligence. Right. I mean, and I'll go, like I said, and I'll go through on what, evidence specifically is supposed to be collected in the next episode because that'll give you more and that's directly from the OSBI as well. So there you go. Fair enough. All right. Remember you can you can you can all just go away. <laughs> Today. Today. No, just kidding. That's fucked up. He's kidding everybody. Am I? Yes. Kiss my ass. No. No thank <laughs> you. I'm an asshole. Dude. I know your guitar player last night was laughing his ass off at some of the pictures I showed him of you. You <laughs> <laughs> got to see my ass too. He's yeah. in for a rude awakening for the tour, like I was telling him last night. Yeah, Those, like that's something you don't ever want to see. The bathrooms and showers on buses are small, man. And eventually, we're all going to see each other naked. It just happens. About week two, week two. That's where you're sitting there going. Fuck this shit. I don't care. Hey, guys, how's it going? Why is your dick hanging out? Because I just got out of a fucking shower. That's why. Remember. You breezed over that question. I didn't even hear you. What? I said, do I get my own bathroom? No. Mm. You get to stay in the equipment trailer. You can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you happen to be getting your blogs. Log on to Facebook and join the Citizens of Brutal Nation and interact with us. I'm thinking, was there something else? Fuck me running. I don't know. Is there something else? Yet? Check out our merch store. There's links. Uh, shit, that's all I can think of. Fuck this. This show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing this or any part of this on any other, anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. And we'll see you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.